this week, I, as I was getting my morning exercise in, I turned into YouTube and turned on the Jason Whitlock's Fearless podcast, uh, where Mr. Whitlock was discussing a recent video of small children abusing police, both physically and verbally. And throughout the course of this program, he and his guests tackled a number of topics, but one question stood out to me. And that is the question of the Black church's responsibility and emphasis on the promotion of marriage. I thought that was a very valid point, and so I decided to dedicate this entire episode, this Soulful Sunday, on that topic. Why? What happened to the Black church and its emphasis on biblical principles? So stay tuned. So as I said earlier, I tuned into Jason Whitlock's Fearless program on YouTube this week where Mr. Whitlock and a few guests discussed a recent video that was that went viral and has been sickening anyone with moral conscience uh, over the past several days. And that is of Minneapolis police attempting to arrest a murder suspect but instead being confronted and abused by a group of children. The worst part of this was the kids were between the ages of like two and five. And the one with the, who was most aggressive and who had the, you know, the most verbally abusive couldn't have been no older than I say around three. So Mr. Whitlock and his panel, his guests, uh, they, they, discussed a number of things that were, that could be um, learned from the video. And one of those was, of course, that the breakdown of the family system was one of the worst things that has happened to black America. And I being a black woman and a black wife and mother, I agree. Another thing was the effects of the shifting and changing of the communities and the responsibility that communities have to the people um, within them. And when I talk about community, of course, I mean the community leaders, pastors, um, activists, things like that. But today we're going to focus on the pastors and the church in general. Because Mr. Whitlock posed a question. Uh, actually, he and a, a, I forget the lady's name. They uh, discussed the black church and its lack of activity regarding the community that it serves lately. And they asked an important question, you know, what happens? When does the, you know, where, why is the black church not focusing on promotion of marriage to black people? And I say that that is a very good question. Growing up, I noticed, a, and in a very short time too, I've noticed a shift in the Black American church away from a strong, moral, Bible-driven uh, place of Christians to congregate and worship and, of course, learn and grow and change where they needed to, to something that I almost don't recognize. 
and it is ridiculous. So my family moved across country in 1994. And of course, my father was raised Baptist. So we found ourselves, like most Black people, um, parishioners of Baptist church. Uh, we moved around quite a bit, so we actually attended several churches, but I've noticed that there was a common thing that happened about 1997 in all of them, and that is that the church moved away from the teachings of biblical principles and biblical morals and the, con the uh, condemning of sin, not people, but sin, and it moved to this... It became something else. About 97, I would say, at least from where I remember, more and more black churches started to adopt and preach something called prosperity gospel. And if you tuned into my episode on finding a good church, you know how I feel about that, but I will reiterate it here. Prosperity gospel did nothing, did no good for any, for Christians anywhere. What it did was removed the emphasis on biblical principles and moral and the action, the, you know, the call to action that Jesus himself called Christians to and how we treat ourselves, how we treat one another, how we present ourselves to the world. And it replaced it with a false God, which is money and the promise of blessings unlimited but for a fee. And of course that fee was also in the form of money. And this thing spread like wildfire. I used to see it all over TBN and, and uh, pastors were, I don't know where they were coming up with this stuff from, but because none of it was biblical, but um, some of the most radical things I have ever heard of in my life were being spewed on from pulpits regarding blessings and wealth and prosperity. And uh, there is one particular verse in the Bible that was manipulated against parishioners. And that is uh, that verse in the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. That, ladies and gentlemen, is something that has been taken way out of context. You have to read that entire chapter of that particular Bible uh, book and verse to understand what it means. Uh, so the farther away from biblical principles and morals, the black church moved, of course, the more into hedonism and chaos uh, it got. And I noticed early on, because we were taught, you know, at one point, I remember before all of this, I had a Sunday school teacher that, you know, taught the kids what the seven deadly sins were, of course, to an extent that we could understand, but kids aren't stupid. We know what lust is. We know what lust means. Um, so we understood that one uh, without even being taught. And with an understanding of, even a basic understanding of what the seven deadly sins were, why they were wrong, and how they present themselves, we started to see 
or I started to see, because I can only speak for myself, I started to see these things creep into the church. There was envy, there was pride, there was lust, there was greed, there was covetousness, there was laziness, there was wrath. And um, of course, then other sins such as gossiping and stealing and um, adultery. And, and I mean, it just, it got worse and worse and worse. And to distract from the fact that all these things were going on inside the church. What most churches and most church pastors and their the higher ups, like the deacons and the deaconesses, did with their uh, noses in their air was they harass they they found targets to ostracize so that the rest of the sins of the church didn't have you know could could flow freely without criticism. I was often the target of those. Um, that ostracization because I wore pants and my brothers and other young men were also because they didn't come to church in suits and ties. And, you know, we wore what we had, we were poor family. And I just, I didn't like dresses. I did not for a long time in my childhood. And I, I, I think the first time I actually just the, Time, the first time I desired to actually wear a dress was when I was 20 and that never before then. But anyway, um, we, we became the target of criticism for how we dressed. And then it was those families that didn't tithe enough. And then it was the families who uh, looked a certain way. I remember one church we attended when I was about 16, the pastor criticized the man for his weight. And, uh, you know, for sweating in a church that had a broken air conditioner system in the month of August, although the church had been tithing repeatedly and given offering repeatedly for that church to fix its air, its broken air system that was never fixed the entire time we were there. But because this big man sweats and of course, when people sweat, they stink. He was ostracized and one criticism after another became too much and people got tired of that verbal abuse to that particular pastor and they left. However, that man's ego would not allow him to see that what he was doing was wrong. He explained the dwindling congregation with, oh, people don't like it here because I'm preaching the gospel. I don't know what part of the gospel it is to harass and criticize someone about the way they smell after they're sweating in a church that has a broken air conditioning system, even though that person showered and he was a very clean man. But for some reason to that pastor, that was a good gospel teaching. And it wasn't, we all know that he knows that he just lied to himself. So Mr. Whitlock and his guest, uh, and I, I hate to say that I don't remember the lady's name, but because she was brilliant, they tackled the necessity of, um, the black church to start preaching on the good and benefits of marriage, especially to the black community. And I know that people are going to ask, well, why would that be the responsibility of the church? Well, for generations, the black church has been a very strong uh, point of community advancement and community. Um, how, they, they really dictated how communities work. They've had the greatest influence on black people's lives and we see this through uh, the political movements, the civil rights movement. We see this in every time there's a, a case 
of um, something happening, like one of these mass shootings that are not mass shootings, but one of these police shootings that happens involving a, a black man and the police. There's a church, there's the black church is there. It's always been there through civil rights. It's always been there through, you know, integration, um, fighting Jim Crow laws in the South. The black church was there. So they do owe a duty and responsibility to the community around them to say, listen, um, this thing that we're doing here, where we're continuing to make these kids in broken homes, it's got to stop. Um, and I actually was able to, a few years ago, look at the statistics. It might not have been that long ago. It was, it was not long ago, maybe a month, a few months or so ago. Look at the statistics for how American families are raising their children. And it broke those, uh, the data was broken down into four categories. There was married parents, cohabitating parents, single mothers, single fathers, actually five categories and uh, living with neither parents, but we're, but we're living with guardians. The study was focused around black Americans, white Americans, Asian Americans, and Hispanic Americans. And don't you know, at the top of the list, the Asian American community has done the best job of keeping its children raised in two parent nuclear family structures. Like they've had the most success in this, um, followed by the white community who I believe raised their children in two parent homes at 75%, the Hispanic community at 69%, 69.4, so very close to 70%. And then last and ashamedly least, the black community, we only have 37.5% of our children being raised by two parents. An overwhelmingly large number of those kids are raised by single mothers, I think it's something like 40%, 46%, um, 8% are raised by neither parents, but by guardians, 4.8% are raised by their fathers. And I think something like, I can't even remember this, the data regarding cohabitating parents, but to me as a black woman, it's embarrassing. We understand what happened to our children or to our families in the 1960s with the destruction of the family following, you know, things like the Great Society programs and the uh, Welfare Reform Act and all of these government programs that I'm continuing to read upon that are being shoved down our throats, but really don't do any good for your average black person. Matter of fact, poor black people suffer more under most of these programs. Um, but where does this become the responsibility of the church. As I said, if the church is the center, is gonna maintain the status as a center point or the center voice of reason in the black community, first off, it needs to return to the standard of being a voice for a voice of reason. And it also needs to worry less about uh, the amount of money that is coming into the collection plate and worry more about the souls of the people that you're supposed to be guiding in their relationships with God and Christ. And we know that in the relationship with God and in uh, being Christian, there is a standard, there are rules, there are guidelines, there are limitations. You can't, certain things that we are not to be doing if we're going to call ourselves the followers of Jesus. And one of those things is the, the most important, one of the most important things that we can do as Christians, and I'm talking Christians of any color, is build and keep our families together. Now, for my community, this is especially important because of all the negative um, consequences of broken family homes. Uh, the increased risk for things like behavioral problems, physical and sexual abuse, the increased risk of later becoming members of the judicial system. And I'm not talking about 
becoming judges, prosecutors, attorneys, what uh, bailiffs and whatnot. I'm talking about becoming the defendants in uh, criminal cases. And it starts early. Uh, um, the We talk a lot about mass incarceration, but we look at it from the level of what government policy did rather than the cultures of the communities where these people, especially our young black boys are being incarcerated and what is driving more and more of them to crime at earlier ages. Family structure plays a lot in that. Where children are unsupervised, they tend to get into trouble. Now, the church used to preach these things back in the day, especially black churches. I remember sitting and I've heard one, and this is the thing that we need. We need more strong, we need the pastors that we had back in the day, those that had a spine of steel, that if you didn't like the truth, and then you were free to leave the church if you saw fit. But uh, we didn't have these guys that just tickled yours and told you what you wanted to hear. Um, well, I mean, we did to an extent, but they were, they were few and far between. But the church is supposed to emphasize the moral conduct of its people or emphasize that. And it, of course, within the ground, within the, the, um, I guess the community of the church, there are expectations and there are standards. And of course, if you see your brother or your sister doing something wrong in love, you correct them. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, where morality has been thrown from the church and even poor sweet Jesus himself has been kicked out of his own father's house. He's been replaced by a gospel that is man-made and a God that is not the one above, but one that we fold up and put in our pocket. Okay. So modern churches, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm speaking specifically as a black woman talking about the black church. Our biggest problem has been the worship and the, the first off the move away from biblical principles and the move toward the embracing of the seven deadly sins, in particular greed. When greed came into the church um, nothing else mattered. And these things, of course, spilled out into the communities, where the communities have no one, no voice of reason, no accountability, chaos ensues. You have children that are entering into crime at an earlier and earlier ages, as I've said, and that's because they have no supervision at home. Been raised by exhausted parent, one exhausted parent who's doing the work of two people, and they really don't have time for their kids or they're being raised by a parent that doesn't really want to be a parent. They still want to live their life and do as they please without considering the children that they brought into this world. That was kind of uh, a point that was made regarding the situation in Minneapolis with the mother of the children that were seen in that video screaming at police and a little research digging and it was later revealed that the mother was the girlfriend of the murder suspect. Now, the thing that scared me the most was the little one who was out there in like his underwear and his behavior and the things that he was doing. Okay. He was the most aggressive and he was the smallest. And we all know children mimic what they see. So if your kids are hearing you regularly cursing and 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 slapping and all this other stuff, then they're going to do that too. So 
when this boy is sitting there screaming at police and slapping them, cursing them, calling them the B word. I have to wonder how many times he watched his mother get slapped by her boyfriend and called out of her name and told to shut up and things like that, because that's not something that kids just do just to be doing. It's, it's behavior that they learned. Um, that disturbed me the most. And it disturbed me the most because as everyone on that show who discussed this matter said, one day those kids are going to grow up. And unless somebody gets a hold of them and gets them out of the behaviors that they're participating in now, they're going to be face to face with cops again in a few years. And it's going to go wrong once they're so big because they're not going to be little forever. Unchecked anger and aggression and rage becomes deadly when a person grows and is strong enough to actually hurt someone. Um, and that is the thing that worries me most about that little boy. No one is looking after his out of any of their best interests. They're just really raising themselves. And that is a horrible thing. Perhaps the greatest reason why the black church needs to return to its, what it was a few generations ago was a, uh, a center of moral and uh, God fearing, uh, a center of morality and a center of God fearing, you know, an institution is because the church used to be the center of, of black lives. I, remember reading the statistics that I actually ever read the Patrick Moynihan report that he was dubbed and called so racist for. Um, but as it turns out, Patrick Moynihan and everything that he predicted would happen to the black family, you know, after our family started to dissolve in the 1960s came to fruition. And he was right. The destroying of the black family actually undermined the successes of blacks from slavery and reconstruction all the way up to the civil rights era. But the church used to stand at the center of our communities as the center of our lives and it stood firm in its, its uh, morals and in its, uh, its order and in its, its organ, you know, it was organized. It was very, a very structured environment and one that practiced order and morality and, uh, it was there that we learned our ethics. It was there that we learned right from wrong. And of course that was modeled at home. And it was also enforced at home because we had parents that did the same thing. Um, but uh, that is not the case anymore. Where the church has taken a back seat, well, not really a back seat, but it, it's taken the gospel that Christ gave us and removed it out of the, ch at, removed it out of the church it has replaced it with something else and the communities continue to suffer. That's another way that our communities are suffering because of the lack of, of courage to stand firm in God fearing moral and, and principles of the modern black church. I remember being little and going to church and learning things like the 10 commandments. We had to recite them and explain what they meant and, and then give an example of how we would follow each commandment. Um, we were, we learned the Lord's prayer and it was emphasized every day to pray morning, noon, and night with us. And that's something that my husband and I have been, you know, trying our hardest to do with our kids, pray morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night. We actually bought our children's Bibles recently and I'm giving them a list of readings 
to do every day. And I sit with them and, you know, discuss these things with them because it is very important that we get our children's focus off of society and its lack of morals and teach them that there's, there's a reason why you have uh, parents who are authority figures over you. There's a reason why you need limitations and boundaries and a structure and rules. And there's a reason why we teach you ethics and morals. We, and this is something that I just learned about, are raising, we've removed all of that from the lives of black children. We've removed their fathers and the nuclear family structure. We've removed God and the religious uh, principles that go along with being inside the, the Christian church. And we've replaced it with nothing, nothing good anyway. We've replaced it with drugs, alcohol, sex, gangs, uh, teenage motherhood, welfare, promiscuity. We've replaced it with a culture that praises violence. We've replaced it with the no snitching code that tells us that if we are, we become victims of some type of violence, uh, whether it's sexual, physical, whatever in our communities, we're supposed to shut up about it because the racist judicial system is locking away black men left and right. And if we are violated in any circumstance, if a crime is committed against us and we report it to the police, then we are sellouts and we're no better than the uh, the slaves of yesteryear who would tell on those who were trying to make their way to freedom. That is literally what is being put into black children's heads. And then our community, everything suffers from it. Everything suffers because of it. And I'm gonna wrap this up really quick, but I just wanna talk about this, uh, what I just learned about today. And that is um, the case of James Lambert out in Pennsylvania, uh, out in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a 70 year old man that was beat to death in the street by black children. These kids were as young as 10 and they were out in the middle of, out at 3 a.m. and they ganged up on and beat an old man to death. Biblical principles in the Ten Commandments would have had those things been taught and emphasized on those kids. They would have they wouldn't have been out there doing that. First off, they would have known not to do that. Yeah, they wouldn't have done that because they would have understood that thou shalt not commit murder uh, is an important commandment for what they're about to learn now. There are consequences for your actions. And when you steal the life away from someone else, you have to, there are some, there are repercussions for the things that you do. Now people are going to say, well, what are you talking about? You know, there were, uh, the Israelites killed in the Bible. The Israelites went to war when they were attacked in the Bible. There's something completely different. Uh, there's a huge difference between fighting to defend your nation in times of war and then just murdering people on the street. So I don't want to hear that one. To honor your mother and honor your father and mother, had the parent had they been taught to honor their father and their mother, they wouldn't they would listen and they wouldn't have been in the house uh, they would have been in the house in the bed at three a.m. instead of running around committing acts of murder in little tiny uh, child gangs. I know that people are going to get mad about me calling it a child gang, but you know, it is what it is. We have embraced gang culture. We think that it's cool. And then when things like this happen, we uh, were temporarily embarrassed and we were so embarrassed by it. We actually resort to deflecting to what if white and other races of people doing to hide the shameful acts that are being committed in our communities by our children. Put no other gods before me 
pretty simple commandment. But guess what? We've made everything else our God. We've made sex. We've made this idea of luxury. We've made money even to the point where too many of us are willing to go get it illegally instead of going out and getting a job and working for it. We've coveted uh, our neighbor's you can't spouse or the father or mother of someone else's child. We've coveted boyfriends and girlfriends and, and led that has led to problems for individuals. In some cases, that, that those instances have led to someone losing their life. We have to fix what is wrong with us. And I do believe that the black church can help it uh, in fixing the problems in our community, but it has to be, we need, uh, it has to be willing to stand firm in what it knows is true, even against criticism and step and preach to and reestablish the order that even God gave us for our for things to get fixed in our community. And of course, there are always going to be those that detract, deflect and fight against it. But whatever, we're not worried about those. We we uh, at some point we're going to have to realize that some of our people just aren't some of our own are are the reason why an entire community suffers and we stop looking to put to politicians to fix our problems and start fixing them ourselves that we'll be better off and you know what actually to that last point i want to say this i read i was reading a book called false black power by jason l riley where he speaks to one of the greatest mistakes that blacks this, one of the greatest mistakes that we made as an entire community was the fighting for political uh, a political input in society rather than building ourselves up economically and then establishing a political uh, structure for second. And he speaks of a study that was done on the subject. And what that study found was that the influx of blacks into the political system may have meant successes for individuals, but for the average black man, woman, and child, the successes of black, uh, the success of black political leadership really hasn't done anything. Individual black pol politicians, and yeah, I'm gonna put Barack Obama and his family in this too, they were successful in, the, in uh, their achievements, but the circumstances for blacks really didn't change much under the Obama administration, uh, they didn't improve much under, you know, with these new uh, black mayors, black judges, black whatever, really hasn't changed much. We still have 80% of single of 80% uh, of black men raised in single parent homes, and then they find themselves in the prison system. And I don't want to make them a victim of circumstances because we all have a choice in the matter of the things that we do. If you choose crime. You choose the consequences of, there's no escaping that. Now, do I think that black churches will return to being the center and the foundation for the faith, morals, and ethics of the black community in the way that it, they once were? I don't know. At this point, I can only hope. And I say hope because, <sighs> Well, as I discussed earlier, things are just not, you know, what they used to be. But in order for that to happen, we need black religious leaders to return to, uh, they need to prioritize the gospel first instead of 
and I'm talking about the gospel that Jesus Christ himself left us, not uh, the gospel of man that man made. And I'm talking about the prosperity gospel, the feel good preaching and all that other stuff. That hasn't done any good for our community. Um, and neither has removing the gospel of Christ and Christian morals, Christian ethics, Christian standards of behavior from the church. Until we put these things back into the churches, they're going to continue to take this, uh, they're going to continue to fall deeper into this pit of immorality and the people in not only the churches but the communities around and ultimately society will suffer. Thank you for joining me. My name is Lady T. You are watching Consensus Pod where we speak about faith, family, and navigating modern society as a member of the nuclear family structure. Join us Wednesday for a marriage and modern society Wednesdays.